Welcome to the Soccer Neophytes podcast. Today, we are talking about Ole is officially out. Who you play still matters. Does goal differential matter? Howl at the moon, Nate. And things I'm thankful for. Gentlemen, hey, this is a amazing day. This is, uh, we took a week off because of international break. We took a week off because of busy schedules. So we haven't been around in a while, but we brought someone back. You know, you've missed him. My good friend, Nate, you are still here, but everybody needs to welcome back Kyle, our neophyte from last season, the one and only lead supporter. Kyle, how are you doing, buddy? I'm back, baby. Welcome back. I wish I could say I was doing well, but sadly, uh, my my Leeds United is at near the bottom of the table, and I just haven't been able to bring myself, you know, to really what it is, is I'm kind of hiding out because I feel like all of Leeds probably wants to, you know, take me down at this point. I put my bad mojo on that city and on that team and they have never been the same since. So, you know, in my return, what I really just want to say is Leeds, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you had to, uh, you had to endure Kyle's stank on you. <laughs> well, it's okay. I'm all right with it. I'm sure the people of Leeds will forgive you, but welcome back, brother. Uh, Nate, you are a little under the weather tonight, but how you doing? Yeah, um, I am not feeling great. I'm trying to push through. I was falling asleep on the couch uh, watching an American football game beforehand. Set a little alarm to make sure I'd be ready for this. So I'm going to I'm gonna push through, though. Nice. Wolves. I had to show up for this week. Potential lesson learned you want to give the, the listeners out there. Um, I guess you should avoid Taco Bell. And Hila Ben. Well, you should probably avoid Taco Bell in general. <laughs> the general rule. And Hila Ben. I spent I spent uh, twenty. Uh, I spent the weekend, and that's why actually we should also acknowledge Chris hosting tonight. Thank you, Chris, yeah. for taking up the mantle. Tim yes. and I work for the same organization, and we were down in Mexico this weekend for an event, and the Mexican Mexican food was great, and it treated me fine, but. <laughs> On my drive back late last night, I stopped at Taco Bell and that has not treated me very well. So um, hopefully I can make it through the whole episode. I believe in you. you. And uh, along those lines, sending our well wishes out to Tim, who's still down in Mexico and our neophyte for this season. Uh, Kemi, he's still on the IR, but uh, the good news is after this week, his third week is up and he can return to the podcast where I'm sure he can uh, spill the beans on why he's been out and extremely tired lately. That's right. That's right. All right, guys. Well, obviously, the Premier League was back this weekend, um, and some big news came out of late last night. Uh, Manchester United played Watford in, in Watford, and it did not go Manchester United's way. They got spanked 4-1. to one. Um 
we can talk about the match just a little bit, which kind of led to all the breaking news of last night. Um, they came, United came out, they got down 2-0, gave up an early goal. Um, early second half, a couple subs at halftime. Donnie Vanderbeek comes on. Ronaldo gives him a nice header assist, and he heads it in. 2-1, United started taking control. And then El Capitan, Harry Maguire, just with a foolish play of all foolish plays. Like, one, he misplays a, a, a ball. He's trying to get around a defender and, and bring the ball up. He's But he's our last defender. Just puddles the ball away. Um, their their Watford striker grabs it, and he goes in on a hard tackle and gets a yellow card. Uh, normally not a big deal, but when you already have a yellow card, that means you're out of there. So he gets the red United go down 10 men to 11. Um, if you've seen United down a man, you know what a disaster it is. And they played okay for a little while, but they just got stretched out in the end. They were really going for at least the tie. So they were still pretty aggressive playing forward, uh, but they give up two late goals being stretched out the way they were final four, one Watford beats them. And basically the end of the Ole era is was upon us at that point. I didn't think there was any way that he could survive that drubbing. Um, maybe a draw, maybe a better showing, but because the squad looked as bad as they have the last four or five weeks, nothing different. Everything they talked about, you know, we worked on this and we changed that and we're going here and it just didn't matter. It was the same squad, same lackluster performance same lack of goals and same bad defense. And uh, late last night, word started breaking out after a five-hour board meeting in United um, that Ole was out. So they make the official announcement uh, this morning that uh, – here's what I love – is they made the announcement that Ole has decided to leave his position as manager – um, I guess the way the negotiations went down with him was that he would resign and receive like a seven and a half million dollar payment as a result of his resignation. Uh, what's that? Said so get paid. Yeah, get paid on your way out. I mean, I, I think I don't know. I I don't know how the contracts and everything like that work for uh, managers in, in the Premier League, but you know they had given him an extension before the season, and yep. so I imagine if he wanted to be an a hole, he probably could have just said, "Fire me, and you're going to have to pay me out anyways." Yep. So um, I, I think the way that they structured this was a little bit the Glazers trying to save face a little bit, and it was mostly proof that Ole is just a great guy. So. Um, you know, he is, he accepts the fact that they need to move on from him, that the club's not responding to him. Um, but he put his face to it, which is really impressive. And, you know, being a, a new fan and not knowing a ton about the game and really becoming a fan of United as Ole was coming in off the Jose mess, he's all I've really known as manager. Yeah. Um, and everything about him was he may not be the most tactical guy, but you know, the players love him and he's a people manager over a tactical manager. And when you even, even saw that, like when the, after the match was over, they, the yeah. team walked over to the away end and 
Ole, I, he, I saw the interview with him afterwards. Ole like, kind of raises his arms up like this. And he was, he said later in the interview, yeah, I was basically saying sorry to our fans, but then did you see Bruno? Yep. Bruno, Bruno like points at Ole and is like, this is like, basically like, it's not him. It's not him. And then he like circles, like it's our, it's the players it's on us. And so you can just tell they love him. He's just out of his depths. Right. I think that's what you we've said the whole time. Yeah, um, I kind of reading into it uh, a bit more. Um, you know, Ole wasn't the X's and O's guy. He didn't tactically run practices. He let his training staff do most of that. His he was kind of a hands off manager. He was making personnel decisions and trying to get guys in, but he was mostly trying to handle the personalities and and letting his assistant coaches kind of do the work on how they play now where this is going to get interesting for me is that they didn't name well they named an interim manager who is an interim manager for whoever they decide to be the interim manager when they hire an interim manager and then potentially the interim manager <clears throat> might be chosen to go forward in the offseason or if they obviously get a bigger name so i think they're going to obviously going to spend the next you know, few weeks trying to find, can they bring someone in now? Obviously there's, there's big names like Zinedine Zidane that they want to go after. He's rejected them over the past few weeks from all reports. Um, but supposedly at last night's board meeting, Glazer said to step up the offer and, and, and make it happen. So it's not going to be a financial thing. If he doesn't come here, it's literally going to be Zidane being like, no, I don't want to coach you guys. So, um, but all that to say, the guy that they've placed in charge as the interim to the interim manager is Michael Carrick, who's the guy who's been running the tactical squad and the practices and the formations for Ole. So I, I, this is where I struggle with it. Like to me, it felt like, okay, if you're saying he's not a tactical manager and you need to move people on, then you needed to move his whole staff you couldn't like keeping letting go of the head and keeping the body. I'm not sure what that actually does, especially in the way that they set up their coaching routine. So it's going to be really interesting to see, are they any different? Do they respond differently with just having a new guy picking the lineup basically? Um, and it'll also be interesting to see what happens because if I'm coming in and I'm coaching this, this squad, the first thing I'm doing is I'm stripping Harry Maguire of his captaincy and I'm giving it to either Bruno or Ronaldo. Um, I would assume one of those two guys, uh, the way Harry has played this season has been atrocious. I mean, just no accountability for how bad he's been. And it just seems like he doesn't care anymore. And, you know, supposedly when he got that captaincy, it was the, you know, the biggest thing in his world and he loved it and represented it. And then, you know, he had an off rough off season where he had some things to go against him. And then he got, you know, in trouble for bribing police officers in like Milan or something. I don't remember where it was at exactly. And it's just kind of been a slippery slope down downfall for him. But if I'm the new manager, I'm taking that armband away and giving it to someone who's actually playing like they care yeah well we got a couple comments real quick and want to touch you know hit more on that but what i'm hearing is it sounds like Olay was the herm edwards of the premier league 
<laughs> you basically can... <laughs> completely hands off, kind of a culture guy, but ultimately the ship is kind of sinking under his watch. And everyone loves would... him, likable. Yeah. Right. Everyone yeah. says they love him, likable, but but not getting the job done. Or so non- the Hermed. Well, I was gonna say for our non-American fans. Well, I think most Americans know who Herm Edwards is. I don't know if all Americans yeah. know that he's uh, coaching at Arizona State University. <laughs> but for our British or British and non-American fans, he's the head football coach of our uh, our favorite college local university uh, football team here. That's what you get when you bring me back on. My wife, when I told her I was joining today, was like, all right, go back on and make some American football references. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty that's much all right. I do. So, yeah, yeah. Well, the other funny thing, Stu, a longtime listener, is actually a Jets fan. So he, so he should. He knows Herm. Yeah, he should know Herm for sure. In in Herm's greatest glory, like what everyone knows for. You play to win the game. Oh, and it would have been great if uh, you know Ole had just done his press conference, been like playoffs, talking about playoffs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like he could wrap up every American yeah. sport like <laughs> line that's ever been said. Like, yeah. like we talking about practice, practice, pra- not a game, not a game. Practice. We talking about practice. So I'm a man. Yeah. I'm forty. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> They're like this guy. He's got a lot of great lines. Yes. Uh, so yeah, uh, kind of a sad day. You know, I, I think I realized early on that he was not going to be the best tacticianer, but the team was winning and that's all I care about. I think I said yeah. that a few weeks ago. It was like, I yeah. don't care who the coach is. It doesn't matter to me. I want to win. So whoever that needs to be is what I'm all for. And the team was winning. They were second place in the league last year. They, you know, made champions league after, you know, Jose left them and, and he, it's not like he left them with a good squad. Like they were in shambles and then Ole came in and righted the ship and, you know, they're in a much better spot right now than they were three years ago. It's just kind of a shame that he can't be the guy to get him across the line. I think at the yeah. end of the day, that's the thing that I think, I, I know a lot of United fans wanted him out and a lot of United fans, they respect his legacy at the club as a player but they despised him as a manager. I never really understood that. I mean, cause again, they were winning games, but um, I think at the end of the day, most United fans need to look back on, you know, Ole the coach as a guy that fixed what was broken. He just couldn't make it the best. Yeah. And we'll see, right. Like, did he fix it? Like, can the next manager, can they, can the, can the next manager come in and, and get this team of superstars to play to play together or play with cohesion. That's what to me is the most concerning. And it's here's a guy who everyone loves that you would think would be able to put it together and, and wasn't, wasn't able to. So. Yeah. And, and it was evident. I mean, again, this goes back to how good of a guy it seems like Ole is. He films an interview with United TV, you know, last night after they decided to let him go talking about how much he's loved it and how much the club means to him and how much the players and all that stuff. And he gets to a point where he like breaks down at the end of the interview and he's about to cry. And he's like, okay, that's, that's enough. That's enough. (laughs) This meant the world to him. And so it's Mm -hmm. tough to see that. And then, you know, you, you see the humanness away from, you know, the sports world and you start to, 
you know, anyone with a heart at least should feel bad. Yeah. There was some other other thing real quick. The other thing that this, you know, I haven't been on talking to you guys for a while, but what this brings me back to is one of the last times I was on um, Nate, the wolves manager, you know, similar feelings when he left. Right. And I'm sure we'll talk about it later on, but that's, that change, although it was really emotional and you're getting rid of this guy who is an amazing guy and loves the club, you know, the, the people side of it was hard to uh, stomach, but ultimately on the pitch, it worked out for, for Wolves really yeah, well. Definitely. So maybe similar thing happened for Man U here. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. It would be funny if Ole's coaching Tottenham in a few weeks. <laughs> They won't get rid of Conte that that soon. Yeah. There has been a lot of coaching moves, though, yeah. since we last got on. Steven Gerrard, he is a Liverpool legend. He came in uh, to replace Dean Smith at Aston Villa. That's a great move. Tim and I talked a lot about that. There's some He was coaching in Scotland, Scottish Premier League, um, Rangers, and winning titles with them. And there's a lot of speculation that he might replace Klopp whenever Klopp leaves. And so I think this is a great move. If, if Gerard is the heir apparent, it's better for him to make the move kind of into the premier league to take a team with talent that doesn't have high expectations to kind of work out uh, his coaching style in the premier league first before jumping straight to Liverpool. Um, And then Dean Smith, who was fired from Aston Villa, he took the Norwich job, which is kind of funny. So six days later, he, he takes Norwich. Um, and then the other, the other uh, manager coming in was Eddie Howe coming in. He was from uh, Bournemouth from back from a couple of seasons ago. Um, he's now managing Newcastle. So a lot of coaching movement with Ole kind of being the capstone to that. And probably, I mean, I can't imagine many, I mean, may, there'll probably be another sacking or two before the season's over, but it feels like a lot of where there had been pressure, uh, those moves have been made. So we'll see. Yeah. And it's, uh, kind of interesting, you know, you mentioned Norwich and, uh, with them bringing in Smith Norwich is actually out of the cellar now because they've yeah. won two games in a row. Um, they're a point away from 18th, just behind Burnley, but Kyle, they're only three points away from Leeds at 17th. <laughs> um, I know it wasn't on our call list for the agenda, but Kyle, what's going on at Leeds, man. Oh man. Yes, it, it's been tough. It's been tough, right? And and we've had some injuries with Bamford being out, Ailing being out. Um, but ultimately, this was the big fear, not only that they would kind of have a sophomore slump as a club, but, you know, with with our manager, you know, that's what he's known for, right, is the second year not not carrying through right the legs being tired or the strat the strategy being figured out and you know i don't know i'm not my we used to do this with with nate and wolves i think for a little bit with the worry meter right (laughs) and uh man how the tide has turned but right now i i would i'm gonna give it to myself and i'm gonna say the worry worry meter 
is at a set of five from right in the middle, five out of 10. Um, I, I think that they will play a lot better. I think that they have the ability to, you know, overtake a couple of the, the clubs that are currently ahead of them. So I'm not super worried, but um, again, you're talking to the guy whose fancy football team is one and eight and who, no matter who I root for, they always seem to go in the opposite direction. And so it really was, you know, the stank of, of Kyle that I put on this, this poor city, this poor club. Um, and so, you know, I, I'll say, I think Leeds should be at a panic level about a five, but the fact that I'm associating with them probably bumps it up to like a six or a seven right now. Fair mm-hmm. enough. Any, uh, this is your first time being on with us, this season, Kyle. So I feel like it's appropriate to at least ask this. Any regret on not going with Chelsea? Well, it's not as if Chelsea is having that good of a year either. Oh, wait a minute. No, they're actually dominating the Premier League. Um, yeah, absolutely. You, you name it. You fill in the blank. Is Do I regret going – not going with Chelsea? Do I regret going? Not going with Wolves, Arsenal, Everton? I mean, absolutely. We at name, this point, we could name sixteen teams right now, and you're gonna go, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I should have picked them. Uh, you know, Nate. Nate keeps you know trying to get me to buy a, a Leeds kid, and I told him I'm waiting for them to get relegated, so it's a little bit cheaper. Um, Love so, it. yeah. I'm a little worried right now. I need Patrick Bamford back in my life. I need I need some goals. That that's actually the scariest thing to be to be really kind of serious about it. Is it's not that they're losing, which sucks, but they're not even scoring goals, which is their thing, right? I mean, that's what they're supposed to be doing, and that's their path to success is as outscoring you, and and it's so it's not. If they were getting beat 5-4 or 4-3, I think that would be one thing. But the fact that they're not even scoring, um, you know, that's not great. Just for for context, they have scored four more goals than Wolves. (laughs) (laughs) And and Wolves didn't score a single goal for like the first month and a half of the season. (laughs) It's so true. It's so true. But they've, to Wolves' credit, they've only allowed 12. So that's, that's pretty remarkable. Yeah. All right. Well, we appreciate the leads update. Uh, next thing I want to hit on, it's my theme of the year, who you play matters. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about Arsenal. Are they for real? They made a nice run up the table from dead last all the way up to, I think they were at fourth last time we met. Um, well, Arsenal got their chance to prove whether they were legit or whether they were just going to be a good squad. And they got their butts handed to them this week by Liverpool, uh, which a lot of teams do. Don't get me wrong. Um, Liverpool's amazing. They spanked my club a couple weeks ago, five nil. And so the four nil beat down that they handed Arsenal this weekend um, was, was pretty handy. Um, didn't struggle in the least. Um, they broke through kind of late first, I believe, with uh, Mane scoring, and then they kind of just poured it on in the second half, finishing that that match 4-0. So, Nate, I ask you this, since you love posing the question originally, um, 
where are you at now? Do you think Arsenal is a still top six club or do you think they've just been a benefactor of an easier early schedule? Yeah, um, I think they – it's so hard to say. We'll talk about this when we get into goal differential in a minute, but um, I think they – I really honestly, I feel like the top three are running away with it, and after that, I think you really could go down – I don't know. Maybe it's four through eight. I don't know. Maybe – maybe crystal palace is for real. Maybe Everton could make a run. Maybe Lester could write the ship, but um, it does feel like I honestly have no idea. Arsenal's young and it's not surprising a team like that gaining confidence, going on a run, beating teams they should, and then getting spanked by an excellent Liverpool squad. So um, I, I don't think so, but if I were like a newer fan, like, looking for a club arsenal would be really attractive to me just they've got so much young talent i really like arteta i don't know if you saw it again i was gone all weekend so i just watched um some highlights but again this is horrible but some arsenal guy got elbowed by some liverpool guy and did you see arteta get in klopp's face Yes. Do you see that? There was a a dust up on the sidelines. Dude, it was, it was amazing. And I was like, oh yeah, I like, I like, that's the type of man, like, and he's not usually that way, but I was like, okay, I like this. I like this. It's an interesting squad. So I don't, I don't know. I really, I think it's, I think four through four through 10 to 12 are probably really up in the air. So that's, I can't answer that. I know it's a non-answer, but. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, I'm having a really hard time deciphering the top eight. You know, that that eight spot is it's eight spots up. Yeah, there's just, just eight really good clubs this year, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I think that in honor of Tim not being here and not giving him any weight to cash in on this, I think it's time that we talk about something we've texted about. Um, especially after the dust up on the sidelines with Jurgen Klopp. Uh, Nate, you phrased this best as far as the question goes, but we were talking about Klopp in our group text and I just was talking about how annoying he is to me. And Nate, you asked the great question is, well, can you phrase it for us again? I don't want to butcher your own question. Yeah. I think my question was, is, is Jurgen Klopp, um, the more the most annoying lovable manager or the most lovably annoying manager something like that i don't know it's somewhere yeah no i think that 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 nails it pretty well and i've thought about it since we talked about it and he gets more annoying and then more annoying to me i think he's just a lovable annoying character like i couldn't imagine working for that guy or being a player for that guy like he knows his x's and o's and if he wanted to come coach manchester united tomorrow i would absolutely welcome him with open arms and talk about his greatness um but my gosh he just ever since um you know last year when they just got brutalized by injuries the excuses after the excuses and the finger pointing and the refs this and the league that and var this and dirty play that like i just can't handle it anymore and so i've totally flipped on jurgen 
Um, I'm going with, he's absolutely annoying, but my gosh, is he a great coach? Yeah. I still really love him, but I do. He does annoy me at times. I think that's why I put it, I phrased it that way because yeah, the excuses are really hard, hard, hard to deal with at times. <laughs> Before we move on from, from both Liverpool or from both Arsenal and Manchester United, I just want to say both Ramsdale and De Gea kept those games from being like seven to nothing or seven to one. Both those guys made just remarkable saves and you would never know it. I actually started De Gea in my fantasy team. <laughs> They'd lost four to one, but he got six points. And again, I didn't, I was, I couldn't see any of the games. I could not figure out how in the heck did he get six points giving up four goals. And it was like the, all the saves and the, and the he, blocked pe- the blocked penalty and, well, what's crazy is I don't know if you saw it in the replay uh, of what you may have seen, but so United gets this penalty super early in the game. Penalty kick, De Gea saves it. Yeah, I saw you know, that. They called um, encroachment. encroachment on Wofford's player and on Aaron Wambasaka on the other side, which I thought was the most ridiculous call I've ever heard of. Like it didn't make any I thought it was sense. for De Gea coming off the line. No, 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 no. Oh. It was the Watford player in and Wambasak on the other side. They both entered the box before the kick. The Wat- Watford's player was like way, way early. Because what happened is De Gea makes the save and that player was in so quickly, he just kicks it right back in. Yeah, I saw and that. They think it's a goal. So then they review it and they're like, okay, no, it was encroachment. You came in early, but then Wambasaka had like a toe in the box. So they're like, you well, you both were in early re-kick the penalty and De Gea makes the save again on the penalty which was crazy he's been really good this year he his only weakness this season has been he loves to make foot saves like if, if he has a preference he'd rather make a kick save than a hand save and he very rarely catches balls he likes to punch them away but like he gets himself off balance trying to make foot saves and ends up letting in goals he should probably just stop with his hands that are down low um, but he's been he's been great for for united this season he's really had a, like a bounce back season after an off year or two all right so let's move on to nate I think this is your shining moment for this season for right now. I called it the Howl at the Moon. Uh, Wolves had a very hard matchup this weekend against West Ham, um, and they won. They shut them out. Wolves take the game 1-0, a beautiful Raul Jimenez goal for the victory. Um, dude, this doesn't have to be your two minutes by any means, but you've earned, you guys have earned this opportunity to talk about the game and the club. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately I missed the match. I didn't see any of it. I watched the extended highlights and chatted with, with some of my friends, my wolves friends. Um, but kind of the over kind of resounding sentiment was that it was the most complete game wolves have played all year. Obviously West Ham has played great. They're coming off a win against Liverpool. Um, they're, I think in that third position, wolves have had a great run of form, but you know, before the international break, we lost to Crystal Palace. It was a tough loss, not a good, like looked really bad. So uh, you never know, like post-international break, Raul had been in Mexico. So it's a long traveling back for him. 
Um, and so, yeah, great. I mean, great win. Um, the highlights I did see were, were pretty amazing. Like a couple just great link up play between, uh, Podence, a couple great plays. Neves still just dominating the midfield. I don't know if you saw, I don't know if you guys saw the kick. He made this kick from that looks like he's kicking a shot on target, but he, the ball like just flies out to the wing and goes out. I think Podence was over there and, or maybe Semedo and he kind of links back in. No, was, I think Semedo and then he gets it to Podence who makes it a, a good shot that doesn't go in. But, um, yeah, I mean, I can't really talk too much about the match other than just being really, really pleased with the results um, and who you play matters. I know we're talking about West Ham, so this is a great victory for Wolves. I think if if Wolves want to compete for Europe, which I can't even believe I'm saying now in November based on where they were in August but and September, but if you want to compete for Europe, you got to beat the other teams that are going for it. And so beating, beating West Ham at home is the result you have to get. Um, but we said after that first tough run of matches, those first three matches, they were going on a couple months of really, uh, like winnable matches. And they've done just that they've dropped a couple Brentford and, and crystal palace, but, um, they've won almost all the rest of their matches recently. And that's, that's what they, they had to do, but they're coming up on just a brutal stretch in December. They have Norwich. They have Norwich. I was just looking at their schedule and I was like, okay, you got two more games and then Holy heck. Yeah. So they got Norwich this weekend at Carroll road. So that, I mean, it's an away match and, and Norwich is, is starting to play a little better and getting their form. Then we have Burnley at home and they're, they're one of our, our bogey teams. And so that's going to be a tough, that'll be a tough one just generally because of how hard they play us. But then there's like in 15 days, December 4th, Liverpool, um, then the 11th at city, then uh, the 15th is at Brighton and then rounding it off with Chelsea at home on December 19th. And so it's, I mean, it's one of those things where out of those four matches, if we got four points, I'd be stoked. And out of the, you know, if we got three against Burnley and one against one of those other teams, I'd be stoked, but to go against those three teams in a row is going to be tough. Um, And the Africa cup of nations, I think it's called starts sometime in December, and so we already have a thin squad and we'll be losing uh, one of our starting defensemen, Roman Seiss. He's Moroccan. And then the guy who could come in and naturally fill in for him, Willie Bali, is African as well. And so we'll be without both of those guys. And so I, I expect that to be a really, a really tough run. So um, sixth is a bit probably overachieving for Wolves right now, but I'll take it. And we'll see where we kind of fit where, where we're at. Hopefully still top 10 by, by the end of December. For sure. It's been a, a fun and a good run for them right now as they went from, you know, not being able to score and being down the bottom of the table to now they're sitting in sixth and have a couple of easy matches coming up that they could, you know, possibly even move a little bit higher before they get into that meat of that schedule. So be cool yep. to see. Yep. All right. So Nate, I'm going to turn this next little section over to you. 
we're going to talk about goal differential and how it affects the game or how it affects the standings and what it can potentially tell you about squads and how they're playing. So I know you and Tim were talking this weekend in Mexico, kind of bring us up to date on, on what you guys were talking about, what you're seeing here. Yeah. So I think, you know, I remember in the middle of the summer, I'm a big baseball fan in the middle of the summer, I was just kind of looking through uh, the standings and I noticed the Atlanta Braves were in third place, but they were the only team in their, their uh, division that had a plus run differential. And I thought to myself, gosh, I bet they, I bet they, I bet they finish first in the East. I, I think the cream rises to the top. And so, and sure enough they do and then they go on to win the world series i wouldn't have predicted that at the time but um definitely thought they would the the cream was going to rise to the top so i often will use that that kind of thinking as i look at the the table and you know we're 12 matches in which is a good gives you a good little idea of where teams are at and i think the things that stand out to me right now are you have three teams chelsea manchester city and liverpool with plus 19 goal differential and more. The next highest is West Ham, who's in fourth at plus nine. And so it just, I think right away, it just shows how dominant those top three teams are. And, and then there's a huge drop-off. The other thing that, that really surprised me is there's only six teams who have a zero or higher uh, goal differential. West Ham, who we had mentioned, uh, then Crystal Palace is fifth with a plus one, and then Wolves at zero. Everyone else has a negative goal differential. So I think teams like Burnley, who have negative six and are in the relegation zone, I think they probably can, can maybe move up the table a little bit. I think Brentford, who's at negative one, they probably have some space to, to move. I think Leicester is really surprising to me. They're at negative five and they have just played so horribly. It's so surprising, but their goal differential kind of is not a sign that they're going to, to play much better potentially. And then you look at a team like Tottenham, who's at negative six um, as well. And they're sitting there in seventh. And I think they might be overachieving, although we'll see what um, Conte can do there to bring them back. And that kind of brings us full circle back to the Arsenal question. They're at negative four. Um, again, Wolves haven't played Liverpool, City, or Chelsea. So, you know, Arsenal was at zero going into the weekend as well. And now they're at minus four. So, again, this will start to sort itself out as the season goes on. But, um, you know, there's, I think goal differential tells us something. The biggest thing is kind of the top three are untouchable. And then after that, it really feels like it's, it's up for grabs. Yeah, and it's uh, it's funny to for me to see United's being at negative one right now, and knowing that they were like a plus fourteen like four weeks ago. <laughs> so totally, it's a little crazy. It's a little crazy, but you know, hey, you had you're at a <clears throat> plus twelve or fourteen something goal differential. Now you're at a negative one. There's a reason you drop six or seven spots in the rankings. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cool thoughts, something to keep an eye on for as we go forward. Um, let's see here. I think it's it's about time that we hit the America Watch. Because finally, for the first time in quite a while, 
Christian Pulisic is back and he scored oh. and uh, had, a, had a nice little goal, a little slide in, um, you know, when he got in the game in the second half, uh, scored within, I don't know, 10 minutes of coming on. Um, so awesome to see him back. I loved how he got used in the uh, international break by uh, the U.S. squad. I know he had a very stern warning from the people of Chelsea on how much he could play or how much they wanted him to play. Um, brings up a question that maybe none of us know. Like when a club who you know has a player under contract requests a time limit on players in international breaks, do we typically see the international teams doing that and agreeing and playing those players less? Or do they go, eh, screw you. We need this guy to play, so we're going to let him play. Yeah, I, I don't know about that, like specifically with time, time limits and stuff. But I do know that um, Wolves got in trouble because they didn't let Raul go and play for, for Mexico. And there was a whole big um a whole big deal with that where they were they were fighting with FIFA kind of the governing body and i guess they're required to release them if if they want to go and if the national team calls them and so so there was a point i don't remember i think it was before the Watford match it was the last maybe the last international break or the one before the first international break i don't remember when it was but um but there was like fear that they weren't going to allow Raul to play the next match with wolves because they had restricted his, his playing. So there definitely is some there, there, the FIFA has, I think the oversight on it and the clubs have to have to submit to that, but I don't know how that works out or what the negotiations are there. Interesting. Interesting. All right, so there's our America watch. He's back. He scored. Captain Christian, well done. I would say too. I think I'm. I in some ways I'm a little surprised. I was ner- I was nervous that he wouldn't be able to break back in the squad. Um, he's obviously really talented, but that team is so good, and they played so great without him that I really thought like he may not get a chance other than some of the like Champions League matches, which he had started playing in um, already a couple of weeks ago. And so, um, I was, I was thankful to see him come in and then for him to score, I think just shows what, what quality he is. And gosh, I mean, hopefully he can stay healthy. For sure. Cause we want him on that U S squad as much as we want to see him on Saturdays and Sundays. Yep. So, all right. Well, this is typically where we hit up our speed round. Um, I'm going to concede my <laughs> two minutes and I don't need to talk about you. Concede it. Oh, I think you already took it like times yeah. 10 or 15. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't need any time. Um, Nate, do you want to take two minutes to talk about wolves? Or are you going I don't to have, I don't have two more minutes to talk about wolves this week. All right. Well, Kyle, you haven't been on, but our latest thing that we do this season is we're limiting how much time we get to spend talking about our own team, unless something big and, and, you know, news breaking happens that like, you know, firing your manager allows you some more time, but uh, you want to, you want us to throw two minutes on the clock. You want to talk about Leeds match this weekend? 
Well, I don't, I don't necessarily know that I need, you know, a full two minutes here. I, I, what I really want to do is just make a plea to leads. Let's get it going, boys. All right. I'm back on the podcast this week. I'm giving a shout out. I need us to get it going. Yes, I'm saying us. I was dogging us a little bit earlier, looking up at those 16 teams with some jealous eyes, but I'm lead supporter still. And I'm here to make a call and say, we need to get Bamford back. We need to get the boys back together. We need to get our mojo going. And, you know, it's not too late to make a run. And here's the thing. I'm not watching Champions League. So we or not Champions League, excuse me. I'm not watching the championship. So if we get relegated, I'm choosing a new club. I'm not following you down there. So if you want Kyle to remain a lead supporter, we need to get going right now. Like how many years? Okay, so here's my question for you. How many years of fandom will will leads need for you to follow them to the championship? So I understand one year, um, you know, that's that's tough. But like what what would the barrier be for you to be like, okay, I'm a Leeds fan. Like I just that's that's who I support. Here's how I would look at it. I can't give you an exact number, but I, I would you know. When we were selecting these clubs, you know, I don't know if the intention was for me to get married to Leeds, but that's not what happened. I asked Leeds on a date and we've been going out and I've been true to Leeds. I haven't been looking around. I didn't not watching Christian Pulisic scoring goals for the first place club in the Premier League, you know, secretly wearing blue. I'm still a lead supporter. We're, we're going steady and it's been a little bit of a rough patch. But I can still break up with you at any moment. Like, I haven't proposed. I haven't tied the knot. Now, when I tie the knot and, and we get, we say our vows and the preacher marries us, we don't ever bring up the D word. We're not talking about divorce at that point. But right now, you better believe that if we don't get it to go going and, and you turn out to just be some crazy person, <laughs> I'm walking. All right. I'm walking. I mean, in some ways, soccer neophytes podcast, my wife will love this is a lot like the bachelor bachelorette. Like you get like <laughs> nine months to just date all these different like teams. And we're forcing you at the end, basically to choose a team and propose. Now, apparently I've heard that sometimes they don't propose at the end of the bachelor bachelorette. But that's our ex expectations that, that there's an engagement at the end. And I don't know what the percentage is, but I know that a lot of bachelor bachelorettes don't get married in the end. But exactly. I mean, that's kind of where we're at with Kyle. I thought you got engaged to them. So I'm a little surprised. By okay. This, okay. 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 That's a better analogy. I like that analogy. It is. It is like the bachelor. We got engaged. I had to give a, that final rose. But once we start doing real life together that's you know that's when you really see if this is a fit um not when yeah, we're going off on yeah not when we're going on excursions to you know switzerland and you're whining and dining me you know it was all great last year we were scoring goals we were the darling of the premier league but now we're at home on a tuesday night 
and Pat, Patrick Bamford is hurt on the couch and not getting up and scoring. And, you know, the cameras are off. I'm just being real. Like, we're not married yet. So you need to prove to me that you can still be as fun and exciting as you were when I was handing out roses, is what I'm saying. I like it. I like all of this. I love it. It's great having you back on, Kyle. We missed you. All right. Uh, we're going to hit up the red card. It's already been discussed. There was only one this weekend. Harry Maguire on a double yellow. Costs his team. Costs himself. Costs his manager a job. Harry Maguire, get your shit together. All right. Moving on. Um, let's go. You want to hit on your celebration of the week? Oh, yeah. Like, we've, it, we have to do celebration of the week because, like, the last few weeks we haven't had anything really to write home about. And then St. Maximin pulls off his round-off back handspring flip celebration, and you just got to – we got to mention it. That, that, was, that was celebration of the week. Yeah, it was uh, that was a good one. And then we've talked about it. The ripping the shirt off is always a favorite, uh, and that happened in the Watford United match as it well. Did. So, Jao Pedro comes on. Seems like he's going to be a really good, and he's super young. He's eighteen. It wasn't Jao Pedro who did it. Oh, was it Emmanuel? No, it was Emmanuel Dennis. Okay, uh, sorry. That's okay. It- Emmanuel Dennis comes on, scores in the 96th minute, basically sealing Ole's fate. And not only does he rip off the jersey, yes, he rips Benjamin. off the sports bra underneath and throws that too. He took it all off. He went bare chest everywhere. Um, it was great. Yeah, if I weren't so far down on that match and what I thought I was about to do to my club, I could have appreciated it a little bit more. All right, so let's look at Lock It In. We're missing some of the guys, so we'll do a quick review. Um, Tim and Kemi. Kemi, last time we were on, chose Watford over Arsenal. That was a loss, taking his record to four and seven. Kemi's not here, but he let us know. He is taking United over Chelsea this week. (laughs) Which Chris is so mad. (laughs) Or dumbfounded. I mean, look, if I didn't have a rule that I would not pick against my own team, that's the match I'm picking as well. Like, I, you know, kind of what I talked about earlier, like I don't think the guy who's been running all the practices and the tacticians taking over as manager is going to give them any sort of managerial bump. Like if yeah. it's his crappy coaching that's kind of set them up for this, guess what? We're not going to see very much different this weekend. So, uh, ballsy choice by our main man, Kemi. Who, Kemi, we miss you if you're listening to this. You're one of my absolute favorite people I've met in 2021. Um, so, I love it. I love the pick. I love all your picks. They're amazing. Go United. All right. That brings us to me. <laughs> who chose Liverpool over West Ham last time we were together, which was another loss. Um, I'm four and seven on the season. So, you know, I figure if I could do it once with Liverpool, I could do it twice with Liverpool. So this week, lock it in. I'm taking Liverpool over Southampton. 
um, should be a solid victory for Southampton with the way my season is going. Um, Nate, we'll get to you in just a second. Tim chose Arsenal over Watford. Arsenal did win that match. He's now seven and four on the year, and he is taking Manchester City over West Ham, which is a it's not like the craziest pick by any means, but West Ham is a good squad. So it's a it's a bold pick. I'll give you a bold pick. I think there's some other matches you could have gone with that were maybe a little bit easier, but that's a solid pick. Yep. And Nate, that brings us to you. Last time we were together, you chose Spurs over Everton. It was a draw. But it's a notable draw because it actually gives you your very first loss on lock it in of the season, taking you to 10 and one. Hey, kudos to you on a magical 10 week run. Good job, man. Who are you going with this week? Um, I will say just humorously, I bet on that match. (laughs) So I kind of screwed myself. But uh, I thought, hey, well, I'm on a good run. I'll see what's better, my betting or my my uh, lock it in. And it was my betting. So um, I am taking Chelsea over United. I think it's the second week in a row we've had um, uh, people pick against pick against Kemi. So um, <laughs> I don't do that easily. I do think I when I made the pick, I didn't realize that United was just appointing their tactical guy as interim manager. So I actually feel far better about my pick now that I know that. Yeah. And, and remember he's the interim to the interim manager. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yes. So yeah, I got, I got nothing to say against that pick. It's probably going to be falls on accurate. Um, All right, guys. Well, in America, this is Thanksgiving week for us. And I thought, we should send this off. We should end this podcast with something we're thankful for. Um, I talked on it just a little bit ago. I'm super thankful for Tim and Kemi coming on this season. They've been great additions to our squad. Um, Kemi is everything that you could want in a neophyte. Um, and that's not a dig at you, Kyle, because you're still my guy. But he literally knows nothing. And just <laughs> Like the things he said and the way he follows it and the way he tracks the sport is so fun because it's so entertaining. It's so far different than the way I did it or Nate did it or you did it. He's just been awesome. So uh, I'm thankful for Tim and Kemi. And I'm also thankful for Kyle Walker because Kyle Walker, you just give me something to be angry about all the time. And I just appreciate you. Thank you, Kyle Walker. That's amazing. That's beautiful. All right, Nate, you're up. Uh, I'm thankful for Raul Jimenez. Um, I am thankful he's alive. (laughs) There's a new documentary coming out, like a little 30 minute documentary. Uh, it's coming out on BBC. I don't know when it's going to get released in the U S. Um, but new, new documentary coming out called code red. Um, the preview looks pretty emotional. I think, um, Nuno, (laughs) Nuno's, weeping in the interview um i just to kind of relive it and then hear from from raul's wife hear from raul himself hear from raul's mom um some of his teammates nuno of course i think it's gonna be i think it's gonna be pretty powerful and so i know it's like i don't know it's not silly this is beyond the game right like um to a serious head injury like that. And so, so I'm thankful for Raul. I'm thankful he's still alive. He brings me a lot of joy. He scored that game winner this, this weekend and seems like his form's back and 
it's really great. Nice. Kyle, I know I sprung this on you, but I want to know what you're thankful for, my man. Oh man. Oh, I'm just thankful to be back with you guys. Uh, it's been, it's been good. Thanks for having me back. I'm also thankful uh, for Tim and Kimmy so that I haven't had to come on here every week and talk about how bad Leeds is. So <laughs> thankful that they're following in. Um, but no, mostly just good to be back with, with everyone. And um, hopefully I can make some more appearances as the season moves along. Yes. The people demand you more, Kyle. They love you. They want to hear from you. Um, all right. Well, looking forward to this week. A couple of things to keep your eye on. Champions League matches pick back up this week. And we're starting to get closer and closer to the knockout round there. So if you're following your club in the Champions League, they've got a match this week. Um, coming up over the weekend, there's a, there's a handful of matches to keep an eye on. I think um, the top one is going to be Chelsea United just to see is it going to be a different United squad that shows up for that match or is it going to be just a Chelsea beat down? Um, so that's going to be super interesting. And the other pretty good match from the weekend is going to be Man City versus West Ham. So I think those are the two matches to kind of keep your eye on. If you're, you're watching Nate, you got anything else to add about this upcoming week? No, I think, um, I think you, na- you nailed it. Obviously it's Thanksgiving. So it's basically nonstop sports really starting Tuesday, Champions League, Tuesday, Wednesday, some Europa on Thursday, plus American football, plus football on Friday, football, all the footballs on Saturday and Sunday (laughs) should be, should be a fun weekend. (laughs) Yeah, should be all the footballs and all the soccers everywhere. So, all right, guys, that is all I have for you. I think there is no better way than to sum this week up with I know always out, but the bigger problem still remains at United. Glazers out, boys. Glazers out. Out. Oh.